Good evening, everyone. Once again, I'd like to welcome each and every one of you to our Georgia camp meeting. In this camp meeting, we will be talking about the three Andrews message, as well as the fourth Andrews message. We will talk about the fact that uh, there is a work of preparation that must be done prior to Christ's coming. And these messages are designed to prepare a people for the soon coming. Why prepare a people for the soon coming? In Revelation chapter 14, verses 9 and 10, we find in the third angel's message, it says, the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, if any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. This is the first time ever that God has given such a threat to humanity. This is the most fearful threatening ever addressed to mortals. Why? Uh, the sins that have been committed must be so terrible that it calls for the wrath of God without mercy. That has never been before. God has been unhappy with humanity and has shown his displeasure, but always measured with mercy. But this time, we're told without any mercy. So this is why we need to study the three angels' message. Why? In them, it says the most solemn, sacred work ever given to mortals is the proclamation of the first, second, and third angels' message to our world. The most solemn and sacred work ever given to any human being. What a privilege we have that this message has been given to us, to humanity, to mankind, especially those of us in the last days. So for this reason, this weekend we will be embarking upon the studying of the word of God. And we will do so meticulously. As it says in Isaiah, chapter 28, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a, here a little and there a little, we will have a deep understanding of the three angels messages. However, tonight, we will focus only on the first angels message. Now, even though we will talk about only the first angels message, we must realize they are all connected. They are all connected. This is why we must study them in sequence. We must study them as a whole. I'd like to read one more thought here. It says, I was shown three steps. The first, second, and third angel's messages. Said my accompanying angel, woe to him who shall move a block or stir a pen of these messages. The true understanding of these messages is of vital importance. The destiny of souls hangs upon the manner in which they are received. Now, I'm sure among those of us who are watching here, when it says the true understanding of these messages are of vital importance, we understand it is a life and death message. Life and death message. Many of us have had the unfortunate experience of going to, to the hospital for 
some reason. And one of the things that they often do is take our vital signs. Why? Our vital signs indicate a lot of time how we are doing. So spiritually, when it says the true understanding of these messages is of vital importance, we must understand that it is a death and life message. That's why it says the destiny of souls. My soul destiny, your soul's destiny hangs upon the manner in which we receive this message. For this reason, this weekend, by God's grace, we will be studying these messages and see how they apply to the preparation that we must make as we prepare for the Lord soon coming. Let us go back again to Revelation chapter 14, verse 6. The Bible says, And there was an angel flying in the midst of heaven. Now, how should we understand that? Should we understand that an angel will come down to preach this message? No. The work of preaching the gospel has not been given to angels. It is a privilege that we have as, as God's people, as, as Christians. Matthew chapter 24 verse 14 says, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached into all the world for witness. Now who is to preach this gospel? Those of us that, that have been called into this message. Those of us that have been privileged in accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So it says here in, in Great Controversy, page 312, the work of preaching the gospel has not been committed to angels, but has been entrusted to men. So angels will not come and do this work for us. Now, there's a part they will do. They are engaging in what? In directing the work, in helping each and every one of us, but the actual proclamation of the message is performed by the servants of Christ upon the earth. So this angel is represented or represents God's people that must proclaim this message to the world. And as such, as such, we must, we must do our part. As we understand the truth of God's word, we must share it with others. Now, when it says an angel is seen flying in the midst of heaven, how should we understand that? Now, angels are holy beings. The fact that God's people is represented as an angel tells us that this message is significant. By the purity, the glory, and the power of the heavenly messenger, divine wisdom has been pleased to represent the exalted character of the work to be accomplished by the message and the power and glory that were to attend it. So this angel, as glorious as this angel is, as exalted as the character of that angel is, is emblematic, is a symbol or represent the purity 
and the glory that is to attend this message. So my friends, my brethren, this work is a work that we must undertake. This work represents a movement that is to take place, that has been taking place. And we must be about this work just about now. So I'd like to turn your attention to Revelation chapter 14. First of all, we're told in verse 7 that this angel is said to be speaking how? With a loud voice. With a loud voice. Why a loud voice? This angel is trying to get everyone's attention. Imagine this angel is speaking. Now, now, not here. It is said to be flying in the midst of heaven and speaking with a loud voice. The angel is trying to get everyone's attention. Every nation, tongue, uh, kindred, tongue, and people. For this reason, those that are represented by that angel must give this message in a very loud, clear, decisive term so that everyone would have a chance to hear for him and herself. Now, it says also that this angel is saying with a loud voice what? The first thing that this angel is saying is to fear God. What does it mean to fear God? Is it the kind of fear that, that we think, that we often associate with? Sometimes when it says fear, I, I remember uh, presenting this subject to someone and when, when we read this verse, the impression that this person had is that the person was to be afraid of God. Well, it's not that way. Now, Psalms 128 verse 1 says, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord. So there is a blessing that comes with the fear of God. There is a blessing that comes with fearing God. So fearing God is not to be afraid of God. Rather, Job 28, 28 says, Behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. Psalm says, The, um, the fear of, of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. So my friends, my brethren, the fear of God is not to be afraid of God. The fear of God commands us that we should understand who he is and seek to have a better relationship with him. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Hebrews 12, 28 says, Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. So let us, let us have what? Grace, whereby we may serve him, how? With reverence and godly fear. 
The fear of God is not to be afraid of him, but it is to have a better understanding of who he is. And as it says here, true reverence for God is inspired by a sense of his infinite greatness and a realization of his presence. So, fearing God is not to be afraid of him, but as we understand who God is, his infinite greatness and what he has done for us, then when we come to him, we do so with awe and with reverence. That's why it says true reverence for God is inspired by a sense of his infinite greatness and a realization of his presence. And as reverence is manifested in attitude and demeanor, the feeling that inspires it will deepen. That's what we're told by inspiration. We are living in a world where there's fear of nothing. Irreverence is practiced ev ev everywhere. But the angel is calling upon God's people as part of their preparation to understand God's greatness, God's infinite wisdom. And as we approach him, as we come to him, do so with reverence and awe, with godly fear. But this angel did not stop there. This angel said what? Fear God and give glory to him. So my brethren, what does it mean to give glory to God? How do we give glory to God? The first thing I'd like to say, when it says to give glory to God, we must understand it is talking about reflecting the character of God to others. Reflecting the character of God to others. In fact, Bible Commentary, Volume 7, page 979 says what? To give glory to God is to reveal his character in our own, and thus making him known. This is what it means to fear God. This is what it means to fear God. So turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. Matthew chapter 5, verses 15 and 16 says, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So what happens? As we let our light shine, Others will see and will glorify God. So as, as the character of God is revealed in our lives, that light is reflected to others. And in turn, they glorify God. So my brethren, my friend, the angel is calling upon each and every one of us to do this work to fear him and, and give glory to him. It says further, the followers of Christ are to imitate his example. 
and scatter broadcast the seeds of divine truth. They are to tell all with whom they come in contact that Jesus Christ came into our world and assumed our nature in order that God might be glorified in humanity, in order that humanity might be uplifted and glorified in Christ. We are bought with a price. We are not our own. We've been redeemed by God's grace. We've been redeemed for salvation's sake. Hence, our lives is to reflect him that we love, him that we serve. 1 Corinthians chapter 6.20 says, For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body, in your spirit, which are what? Which are God's. So we belong to God by creation and by redemption. Therefore, everything about us, our lifestyle, is to be what? Is to glorify God in all that we do and say. You remember the experience of Moses in the wilderness. Moses got to a point where he wanted to see what? He wanted to see God. Exodus chapter 33, verses 18 and 19 says, And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness. Who said that? God said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. So how should we understand this? When Moses asked God to see his glory, what did God say? I will make my goodness. God's goodness is about his character. So God's glory is revealed in his character. 2 Corinthians chapter 3.18 says, But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory. So as, as we develop a relationship with Christ, what happens? As we behold Christ, as we meditate upon him, what happened? It says we are changed from glory to glory. Sons and daughters of God, page 337 says, by beholding Christ, by, by talking of him, by beholding the loveliness of his character, we become changed. Changed from glory to glory. And what is glory, it says? character and he becomes changed from character to character so when the angel says fear God and give glory to him what is this angel commanding us to do we have to build a relationship with Christ to such an extent where by his grace we are changed into the loveliness of Christ 
We are changed from glory to glory, and we can reflect that to others so that they, in turn, may have a better and deeper relationship with Christ, with God. So my brethren, this is the work that we must do. Before Christ comes, there's the people that will be proclaiming this message. There's the people that will have the true fear of God. And in their lifestyle, they will, be, they will, be, they will give glory unto the Lord. Not only by coming to church and, and praise him, but their everyday life will be a reflection of who he is. Now, let's go back to Revelation chapter 14. Verse 7 says, That angel is said, is saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him. Why? Why must we live such a life of reverential awe? Why must we live such a life that our actions reflect Christ? Because it says, for the hour of his judgment is come. Now, what is meant by the hour of his judgment is come? You know, my friends, my brethren, every one of us must come before the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. One of the things we can be sure of is that there's a judgment. We're going to have to answer for everything we do. They are unseen angels about us, recording everything we do and say. And not only that, but recording the motives behind our actions. And in the judgment, all of these things will be brought up. All of these things will be brought up. Now, interesting here, it says, for the hour of his judgment is come. The hour is come. Now, a little bit of history here. Back in 1833, the Lord used a farmer of common background to begin the preaching of a very important message. As this farmer was studying the book of Daniel, he came across Daniel 8.14 that says what? Unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. This farmer understood the cleansing of the sanctuary to mean what? Christ coming to this earth. So for a long time, for about, for about 10 years, 
He was preaching that Christ is coming, Christ is coming, Christ is coming. And in, in October, when Christ, October 1844, when Christ did not come, there was a great disappointment. But as they continued on to study, they realized and understood that that was not talking about Christ coming to this earth. If you read uh, Daniel chapter 7, verses 9, 10, and 13, and uh, others, they, they understood that Christ had started a work of investigative judgment. And that judgment was to begin with the house of God. Those who had once accepted the faith. And by such, they would be judged out of the books that have been written where the angels have taken accurate notes. And for this reason, it says, at the time appointed for the judgment, Great Controversy, page 486, at the time appointed for the judgment, the close of the 2300 days in 1844 began the work of investigation and blotting out of sins. All who had ever taken upon themselves the name of Christ must pass its searching scrutiny. Both the living and the dead are to be judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Yes, my brethren, all those who have taken upon themselves the name of Christ must pass its searching scrutiny. Both the living and the dead must be judged out of the books that have been written. As your name is called upon, as my name is called on, what will it be said? What will these books reveal? I pray that these books will, will reveal that forgiveness has been written against our name because we have made Christ Jesus our Lord and Savior. Because we have confessed unto him our sins and shortcomings. This is why it says uh, in uh, Acts chapter 3, 19, there's a blooding out of sins. May your sins and my sins be blotted out, is my prayer. Repent ye therefore, it says, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the time of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Now, as we prepare for Christ's soon coming, now is the time to repent and be converted. Now is the time for us to reflect Behold, him who died for our sins. Behold, him who longs to see every one of us redeemed. It says in Great Controversy, page 485, 
The work of the investigative judgment and the blooding out of sin is to be accomplished before the second advent of the Lord. Why is that important? Because before Christ comes, it has been determined who he's coming for. Many will be disappointed thinking when Christ comes, that's when they will be confessing. Now is the time to be converted. Now is the time to build that relationship, that experience with Christ, so that when he comes, we will be, we will be among those that will with joy say, Lo, this is our God whom we've waited for. And not be among those that will call upon the rocks and the mountains to fall on them and hide them from the presence of him that sitteth on the throne. The choice is yours. The choice is ours. This is why the angel is calling everyone's attention with a loud voice to fear God and give glory to him. Why? There's a judgment taking place on right now. The record is being analyzed to determine to determine what will it determine about you and about me. So at this time I'd like to once again turn your attention to Revelation chapter 14 verse 7. What does it say? We've been reading it. It says Saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment is come and worship him that made heaven and earth. Now, why is it this angel is calling upon us to worship? And who are we to worship? We are living in a day and age when everything is clamoring for attention. Everything is demanding worship. In fact, in the last days, the issue will be about none other but worship. If you remember, back in the days of Daniel and his companion, when the king set up this huge image, what did he demand? He demanded what? Worship. So God's people will have to make a decision to decide who they will worship. So in the last days, we are asked to worship whom? None other but, but God. So I'd like to turn your attention to Revelation chapter 19, verse 10. Revelation chapter 19, verse 10. Perhaps... This tells us who we should worship. Many of us are familiar with, with that verse. It is talking about an angel. Should we worship angels? And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me what? See that thou do it not. So angels, as much as they may love us as holy as they may be. We are not to worship them. Why? Because angels receive life from somewhere else. 
God deserves to be worshipped because he's our creator. He created us. Revelation chapter 22, verses 8 and 9. Worship 22, verses 8 and 9 says, And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel, which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See that thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophet. And of them which keep the saying of this book, worship not men, not angels, but worship God. Great Controversy, page 436, 437 says, The duty to worship is based on the fact that God is the creator, and that to him all other beings owe their existence. God is our, cre God is our creator. God created us. And because of that, all worship is due to him. But we have even more reason why we should worship God. Not only we should worship him because he created us, but we should worship him because he has also redeemed us. Colossians chapter 1, reading from verse 14 says, 14 through 18 says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. The angel is calling us to worship, not nature, not wealth and fame, not mankind, not fallen angels, not the devil, but we ought to worship God because he is our creator and he is also our redeemer. He redeems us from our sins and shortcomings. It says, Review and Herald, Christ will ever bear the marks of his earthly humiliation in men's behalf. While the redeemed host in the pure angelic throne shall do him honor and worship him, he will carry the marks of one that has been slain. The more fully we appreciate the infinite sacrifice made in our behalf by a sin-atoning Savior, the more closely we come to him in harmony with heaven. My brethren, my friend, the first angel is saying with a loud voice to every kindred, nation, tongue, and people, no one is excluded. The angel is speaking to you. The angel is speaking to me. We live in a day and age where we have to make a decision. We must decide even now if we will accept this message and prepare for what is soon to come. Part of, part of that preparation involves fearing God, not being afraid of him, but coming in his presence with a sense of his greatness in awe and reverence. To give glory to him, not just come to church and praise him, but let others see Christ in us. Let others see that we are his representatives.
that his character is reproduced in us. And as we do so, we will do so being mindful that there is a judgment. Where the angels are recording the good and the bad and the ugly. But now, we can choose to repent and be converted and ask Christ for his grace, for his help. And as we do so, our worship will be acceptable in his sight. We will not be worshiping mankind. We will not be idolizing other human beings. But we will worship him that made heaven and earth. What will your choice be? What is your decision today? I pray by his grace that you, that every one of us will accept this message and prepare to meet our king. This is my prayer for each and every one of us. Amen.